0: Okay, we are, we are in Joshua chapter 4, but I want to read first one verse in Joshua chapter 3 so we see the promise of God, and then we're going to see the fulfillment of it in Joshua chapter 4. <clears throat> so in Joshua chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Now the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. So here is the promise. He says that I'm going to begin to exalt you this day. So just r- let me remind you of the context here. So there there's there's 2 million children of Israel on this side of the Jordan. About about uh, um about half a million of them are going to just stay on this side and occupy this side. Reuben, Gad and half of the tribe of Manasseh. Manasseh was a particularly large tribe, and half of Manasseh was going to stay on this side, this is the Jordan, running from, from the Sea of Galilee right on down to the Dead Sea. And but one and a half million of them are going to cross. They they're just crossing now in, in Joshua chapter four, Joshua three to four. They're crossing the Jordan and they're staying in Gilgal. The exact location of Gilgal is not known. It just says that it's east of Jericho. Jericho you could go to today, you could see Jericho. And in fact in New Testament times there were two Jerichos. There was the old Jericho and the new Jericho and they were separated by about uh, half a mile, three-quarters of a mile. And that's why in one Gospel you'll see that, that Jesus, Jesus meets a man coming out of Jericho and the other Gospel it says he meets a man going into Jericho and you think that there's a problem. There's not a problem with the Bible, it's just a problem that you don't know that there's actually two Jerichos in the time of the New Testament. Uh, but, but you can actually go and visit Jericho uh, today uh, and, and, and see that. But it, it's in, it's in uh, Palestinian territory, so you'd have to move. As an American, you can do this. You can go from the Israeli uh, uh, territory, then into the occupied, uh, uh, ter- then into the Palestinian territory and see that. Not far from Jerusalem. So there's Jerusalem, not very far. So that's where we are. They're crossing that river. So that was that. We, what we just read was the promise. Now, if you turn to Joshua chapter four, Joshua chapter four, verse fourteen, is the fulfillment of that. So just after they crossed this Jordan, this Jordan River, it says in verse fourteen, "On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel. So they revered him just as they had revered Moses all the days of his life. So God promised him that he would." He would exalt him that day, and that very day he was exalted. He says that the Lord exalted him. So if you look in verse 14, it says, on that day, the Lord exalted Joshua. The Lord is the one who exalted Joshua. It is it, it is it is the Lord who did this. So you see, it is the Lord who can take a man and bring him up. It is the Lord who did this. This wasn't a self-exaltation. The Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel so that they revered him just as they had revered Moses all the days of his life. Now what I want to do is I want to look at the earlier life of Joshua and so that we might be able to see what is it, what was the pattern in his life that caused God to now exalt him in the sight of all the people. What is it? That he did? What kind of life did he lead? Because God doesn't just go, ah, uh, let's see, who will we pick today? I think we'll exalt this person. Doesn't happen that way. There are precise things that people do in their lives that set them up to be brought up. And so if, if, uh, if you look in, in Exodus chapter 24, Exodus chapter 24, and we're going to start reading from verse 11. Exodus 24:11. So, what you're going to see is you're going to, you're going to see the pattern of, of, uh, of a life here. The pattern of a life. And it says, uh, we'll, we'll start reading in verse, in verse uh, 12, actually. Exodus 24, verse 12. Now, the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and remain there, and I will give you the stone tablets and the law and the commandment which I have written for their instruction. So Moses arose with Joshua, his servant, and Moses went up to the mountain of God. But the elders, but to the elders he said, Wait here for us until we return to you. And behold, Aaron and her are with you. Whoever has a legal matter, let him approach them. Then Moses went up to them, went up to the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses from the midst of the cloud. And to the eyes of the sons of Israel, the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the mountain top. Moses entered the midst of the cloud and he went up to the mountain and Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. So 40 days and 40 nights, Moses was on Mount Sinai. None of the elders of Israel were with him. They were told to stay down, and in fact, Moses knew he was going to be up there for some time, because he said to them, he, 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 he said to the people, Aaron and her are with you. In other words, if there's any disputes, any legal matter, bring it to them. I'm going to be occupied for, for a while. He goes up to the mountain, but one person goes with him. It says in verse 13, so Moses arose, and Joshua his servant... And Moses went up to the mountain of God. Joshua was Moses' servant. So Moses at this time is over 80 years old. So maybe 80, 81 years old. And, you know, an 80 year old going up to a mountain is going to have somebody to help him out. That person to help him out was Joshua. Joshua was a young man at this time. And Joshua was there to help him. Joshua was on that mountain when that mountain was just engulfed by the presence of God. So what you begin to see, who is this man, Joshua, who began to be exalted? It was a man who understood being in the presence of God. And you know, what if, what if he was an impatient kid? Well, I mean, what are we doing up here? I mean, six days we've been waiting because it says God didn't really show up until the seventh day. Moses, I mean... Come on, Moses, I, I got life. I want to get back down there. You know, I, my, my friends are down there. I mean, here's a guy who's just waiting for six days on top of that mountain with Moses before God ever shows up. And then on the seventh day, God shows up, and then God is there. He, they're there for, for 40 days. Moses is, uh, uh, Joshua is patiently waiting, patiently waiting with Moses there on the mountain. Let's look at, at Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33. Let's get another snapshot of the life of of, uh, of Joshua. <clears throat> Exodus 33, verse 7. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, a good distance from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. Now Exodus chapter 33. Uh, We're we're in verse 7. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. So here you had several million Jews wandering in the wilderness. What Moses would do is he would set up some tent outside the hustle and bustle of the camp where people would go to meet with God. It says everyone who sought the Lord would go to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Because a lot of times, if you want to have a time of prayer, you've got to get away from distraction. Jesus said... Go into your closet and pray. You know, just go into your closet and pray. Get away from the distraction. And so this is what Moses did. He pitched this tent and he called called it uh, the tent of meeting. In verse 8, Now it came about whenever Moses went out to the tent, that all the people would arise and stand each at the entrance of his tent and gaze after Moses until he entered the tent. Whenever Moses entered Uh, Whenever Moses entered the tent, the pillar of the cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent. And the Lord would speak with Moses. When all the people saw the pillar of the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would, would arise and worship each at the entrance of his tent. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses returned to the camp, his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man would not depart from the tent. You want to know what brought up Joshua? Why did God choose Joshua to himself? Here's a young man who would go and attend to Moses and help him into the tent and be with him. God would show up in that tent. The only man with Moses was Joshua, a young man. And this Joshua loved the presence of God so much when Moses would get worn out and tired. He'd leave. Joshua, was staying there. He just wanted the presence of God. You want to know what will bring you up? You learn to spend time with God. This is the treasure. Very few believers ever capture this. They're told this, but very few ever capture it. If you spend time with God, you will be brought up. The Lord will bring you up. You spend time away from the hustle and bustle. You wake up early in the morning. Or you get alone in the evening. Whatever is your best time. I don't do well in the evenings because I fall asleep. I'm a much better morning person. But you get whatever is your best time. You give it to the Lord. And you spend time with God. Ever since I was your age, as an undergraduate, I started spending time with God in the morning. And I've continued to do that. Where I'll get with the Scriptures and just say, Lord, speak to me through the Word of God. You spend time with the Word of God. And then, then... I picked up this practice as an undergraduate too. I would break around noontime and go to the chapel on campus and pray. And I continue that same practice to this day. That's why I've never left college campuses. They all have a chapel. I mean, That's a nice thing. Did you have a chapel at Intel when you were there? No. You see that? You go in industry. You don't have chapels. But university, you get chapels. And I would go there and I would pray. You have time with the Lord. And then you get time with the Lord in the evening. This is what brought him up. This was the pattern in the life of this young man. He was being discipled by Moses. He was hanging out with Moses and he was learning from this old man, Moses. When I was a student, I loved to spend time with the pastor of my church. And I would spend time with the pastor. Any opportunity I could get to be in a car with him, going somewhere. I wanted to be around him because I wanted to learn from the guy. I loved to see him put in difficult situations where people would ask him hard questions just to see how he's going to answer. I just wanted to see how he handled the hard questions. I wanted to see how he interacted with people who didn't believe in God. How did he interact? How did he respond to them? I wanted to watch this. And then when I went to graduate school, I became a very good friend of the pastor there. And I was always with the pastor. I mean, I, just, I spent a lot of time with him. If I wasn't in the laboratory, I was with my pastor, spending time with him, because I wanted to be discipled by men who loved the Lord. This is what I wanted to do. I wanted to be around them. This is what Joshua was doing. He was being discipled by Moses. And it was on these bases that God brought him up. Let's look at, 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 an, at another event in Numbers, the book of Numbers, chapter 11, Numbers chapter 11, and we're going to start reading in verse 26, Numbers chapter 11, verse 26, but two men had remained in the camp. The name of one was Eldad and the other was Medad and the spirit of the Lord rested upon them. Now they were among those who had been registered, but had not gone out to the tent And they prophesied in the camp. So here were two men among the children of Israel in the wilderness, two men. And the Spirit of the Lord fell on them and they started to prophesy in the camp. It says in verse 27, So a young man ran and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, the attendant of Moses from his youth, said, Moses, my Lord, restrain them. But Moses said to him, are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put His Spirit upon, upon them. Then Moses returned to the camp, but he and the, uh, both he and the elders of Israel. So two men start prophesying in the camp. One young man runs and he tells Joshua. And Joshua hears this. He's like, hey, you guys can't prophesy. This is Moses' job. Moses is supposed to prophesy. And he runs and he tells Moses, stop those two guys. And Moses is like, calm down. It's alright. I wish everybody prophesied that the Holy Spirit has fallen upon them. It's a good thing. Look at this. Here, Joshua is being discipled by Moses. And Joshua is receiving instruction. Here, this young guy, is, you see immediately this young man embracing instruction. Joshua had a teachable spirit. This is precious. Having a teachable spirit is something so valuable to be able to have a teachable spirit that you're open to teaching. One day a guy uh, wrote me a long email. He was concerned because one of the campus groups, the the the, the, um, the students in the group were prophesying and praying over people and getting words. And, and he said, y- you know, they're not, they're not like elders of churches. They shouldn't be doing this. And so I, I sent him this portion to read. I said, I, w- I wish they were all prophets. I wish you were all prophets. I mean, who am I to stop this? Moses wasn't going to stop this. This is a good thing. You should be a prophet too. And, and, uh, uh, and then immediately, when he read this in the Word, he says, wow. Okay, I get it. Immediately, this young man had a teachable spirit. And it's not easy to have a teachable spirit. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18. We're going to look at a a, a verse there Uh, in Acts chapter 18. We're going to read about a man named Apollos. Acts chapter 18, verse 24. Acts 18, verse 24. Now a Jew named Apollos, an Alexandrian by birth, you know, you might think Apollos isn't a Jewish name, but he was, he was Alexandrian by birth. So, he, so, so uh, uh, he was a Jew named Apollos, an Alexandrian by birth, an eloquent man, came to Ephesus and was mighty in the Scriptures. This man had been instructed in the ways of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus, being acquainted only with the baptism of John. And he began to speak out boldly in the synagogue. Interesting. Here's a man. It says that he was a Jew, but he was obviously a believer in Jesus. He was a Jew and he was from Alexandria and he was an eloquent man, which means that he was he was a gifted speaker. He came to Ephesus and he was mighty in the Scriptures. Here's a man who studied the Scriptures. You don't become mighty in the Scriptures without studying the Scriptures. It never, ever happens. You can't fake it. You cannot fake devotion to the Lord. And, and uh, uh, he was mighty in the Scriptures. And he had been instructed in the ways of the Lord. So he had been instructed. And he was fervent in spirit. This man was excited about the Lord. I mean, this is just boom, boom, boom just adjective after adjective, describing characteristics of this man. He knew the Scriptures. He was fervent for the Lord. He had undergone instruction. And he was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus. So no problem with what he was saying. And, and, it, and uh, being only acquainted with the baptism of John. In other words, he had only heard part of the Gospel. And he believed. He had heard the baptism of John. The baptism of John, when John the Baptist was baptized, when John the Baptist baptized uh, 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 Jesus, he was the one who testified that he is the Christ. So he only got up to the baptism of John the Baptist, where John the Baptist had either baptized him or he had been baptized by one of John the Baptist's disciples. And he had heard only a partial amount. He wasn't yet, he hadn't yet heard about the death. The, the crucifixion and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. He only had part of it, but still he was mighty in the Scriptures. And he went and he went into the synagogue and he would be boldly proclaiming it. And then it says, it says But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and they explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wanted to go across to Achaia, The brethren encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. And when he had arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating by the Scriptures that Jesus was the Christ, or Jesus was the Messiah. Very interesting. Here is this very talented guy, eloquent, trained in the Scriptures, speaking about only up to the baptism of John. He hadn't yet heard the full Gospel. And you say, well, why didn't he hear about it? Because Twitter wasn't yet invented. I mean, it was just recently that Jesus had died on the cross and resurrected from the dead, and news took time to travel. He hadn't yet heard about it. And he was speaking accurately. It says, but when Priscilla and Aquila... So here you have this couple, Priscilla and Aquila, who are mentioned in other places in the Bible. They took him aside and they explained to him the way of God more accurately. So they, they fill in the other pieces for him. So, so you've got even Priscilla there. Now this is in a culture where it's not normally a normal thing for a man to receive from a woman. You've got Priscilla and her husband teaching him And explaining things more accurately to him. But he's readily receiving it. Why? Because he has a teachable spirit. He didn't say, look, I know what I'm doing, alright? I know what I'm doing. Just back off. He didn't say that. He received it. And he just started to grow in this and he became all the better. And so then he says, let me go to Achaia and tell him about this. Wow, this is great. And they said, okay, go ahead, take these letters and they'll greet you. And he says, and he went, he was a tremendous help to them, and he began, he was powerfully refuting the Jews in public. So the Jews that would oppose him, he would powerfully be able to refute it. How? Because he knew the scriptures so well, demonstrating by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. Here is a man who studied the scriptures, yet he remained teachable. Because what can happen is, like, you know, you don't have to teach me. I've been reading the Bible for three months. You don't have to teach me. I know all that. I know all that already. No, I mean, he had a teachable spirit. This is the same thing Joshua had. As we look over the characteristics of Joshua. Turn to Numbers chapter, chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. And, and, uh, and we're going to look at verse 8. But while we're turning there, you know, it's, it's interesting that when he ran to Moses saying that these two guys are prophesying in the camp. Here, Joshua really cared about Moses' ministry. He really cared about it. You know, if he didn't care about Moses' ministry, okay, guys, prophesying, I don't care. I've got my own life. I've got my own problems to worry about. That's Moses' problem. No, he really cared. You need to really care about the ministries. You live on campus care about the student ministries there. Care about the salvation of the lost. Pray for them. Show that you care for the ministry. I care for this church, for this body of Christ. This is one of the things that, that, that happens when you learn how to tithe, when you learn how to give. You start caring. I'll tell you, most of you don't care anything about the stock market. You don't know if it's up or down and what it's doing. But when you start investing in the stock market, all of a sudden you're going to care. You're going to Put a new app on your smartphone and every day you're going to check. And when the stock market goes down 300 points, you go, (laughs) now it goes down 300 points. Oh, I don't care because you're not invested in the stock market. When you're invested, you'll care. When you invest in the body of Christ, you'll care about it. I care about this place. I invest. I've invested here. And this, this church invested back into me many times over in my children's lives, in my life, in my family. We need prayer. I mean, my, 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 um, one of my, my sons recently had to go through uh, uh, some minor surgery, but we brought him here on Wednesday night for, for, for the pastoral prayer time. I mean, they were there and they, they called them before the surgery. They, they called them after the surgery. And this is what churches do. But when you invest in something, you care. Joshua was invested in Moses' ministry. He cared about it. You need to care about these sort of things. This is a sign of maturity. If you care, you are brought up. Same at work. If if you don't care about work, oh, there's a piece of broken equipment. Not my problem. It's somebody else's problem. You walk away. You don't care. You'll never be brought up. If you care about your place of work, you will be brought up. People will see, hey, look look at that person. They just walk by and they pick up trash off the ground because it's trash. They're not the janitor, but they care about the place. You know, when I work out in the the gym on campus, I mean, when people leave those little rags where they wipe down the equipment, they fall on the ground, I just walk around and pick it up. Why? Because I care about the place. That's where I work out. I don't want to, you know, work out in a slum. I mean, I care about the place. When you care about something, it's it, it, people see it, and you will be brought up. And and uh, and you know, I go in there, and they're like extra nice to me, extra nice because they got these new black towels. And when they got them, the the these new black towels, you, you know, if I use them, if it just touched my white shirt, it would leave all this black stuff on my shirt. And they, and you know, I I just briefly mentioned it to them. I said, you know, I just got to keep this from. And so then they set aside some other blue towels that didn't shed just for me. And so when I walk in there, they right away run and hand me a blue towel that doesn't shed. I mean, I I feel embarrassed, but they're good to me. Why would they do this? Well, because I care about that place too. When you care about something, you'll be brought up. So in in, in Numbers chapter 13 verse verse, uh, 8, it says, it says, from the tribe of Ephraim, Hoshea the son of Nun. Remember, Moses, we had talked about this, called Hoshea Joshua. He's the son of Nun. So he was one of the 12 spies that was sent into the land. He was one of 12 spies. So now, he's one of 12 now at this point. Joshua is one of 12 that Moses is calling upon. And then in, 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 in Numbers chapter 14, verse 6, he was only... Uh, 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 There were only two of those twelve that came back and brought a good report about the land. They came back and they said, yeah, there are big folks there. they are really big folks, but we can take them. I mean, they're going to become our prey. Don't be scared. We'll take them. And so he brought back a good report. But when all the people came against them in, 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 in uh, chapter 14, start reading from verse 5, then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces in the presence of all the assembly of the congregation of the sons of Israel. Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, of all those who have spied out the land, tore their clothes. So here, he cared about the ministry. He saw the children of Israel going in a wrong way. He took the side of Moses and Aaron. He took the side of Moses and Aaron. And let me give you a little secret. Don't ever try to oppose the leadership of a church. Don't do it. I mean, there may be a little clique of a group that's getting upset and all bent out of shape about something. And they'll come and want to share with you and pull you away or get you upset with them too and pick up their reproach. Don't do it. I've had people come to me and they were all upset about the pastor. Not this pastor. Long time ago. And, and, and they, 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 uh, they'll say things and I say, Look, I don't even want to hear it. You got a story, go tell it to somebody else. I got enough problems of my own. I don't need to hear your problems. I love my pastor. Boom! That's it. I just shut him down. I want nothing to do with coming against leadership. I don't even want to hear a word about them. There is a way that you do it. I am not an elder in the church. There is a mechanism by which if there's a problem with the pastor, you go to the elders of the church and let them begin to address it. You don't, you don't go to just... Normal parishioners, just people like me. And and, uh, uh, there are ways that you do this. These guys stood, Joshua and Caleb, stood with with Moses and Aaron when, when the entire company was going to stone them. He took the side of Moses. You want to see what brought Joshua up? He took the side of Moses. He stood with Moses when the crowds were against Moses. When the crowds were going to try to kill Moses, he stood with Moses. This is what brought up Joshua. You see this type of behavior in him, this faithfulness and service. Turn now to Exodus, Exodus chapter 17. Exodus chapter 17. You see in in, uh, in verse in verse eight. We'll, we'll start we'll start reading from from verse eight. Exodus 17, verse 8. Then Amalek came and fought against Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose men for us and go out, fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I will station myself on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. Joshua did as Moses told him and fought against Amalek. And Moses, and Aaron, and, and Hur went up on the top of the hill. And so you, you see that... That here, these older men, Joshua, uh, I'm sorry, Moses, his older brother, uh, um, Aaron, and her went up on the top of the hill. And who does Moses commission to go down and fight? He says, Joshua, go down and fight. He says, you're sending me to fight, I'll fight. Here he was, the servant of Moses. You want to know what will bring you up? You learn to be a servant. Jesus said, if you want to be great in God's kingdom... You have to be servant of all. It's totally antithetical to the ways of the world. The way of the world would say, show yourself to be in charge. That's the way. No, Jesus said, show yourself to be a servant and then you'll come up. He says, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, be a servant, Jesus said. If you want to be greatest, become a slave of the other. How is that for shaking up the world's way? Totally different. If you learn to serve, you will be blessed. I can look at students and I can make a very accurate prediction of what their life is going to be like in 10 years. You say, wow, you must be a prophet. Not at all. Not a prophet. I just go by data points. All right. And I have a lot of data points in my many years of working with students. If I see a student who learns how to serve, I know that they are going to do well in life. I know it. I know that they're going to find a good spouse. I know that they're going to find a good job, that they're going to be happy in their lives. Because when you learn to serve, you are blessed. Jesus said the most two most important things. The devil came up to him, took him up to a very high mountain in Matthew chapter 4, and he said, I offer you everything you see here, I'll give to you. And Jesus said, Be gone, Satan, for it is written... You shall worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. There are only two things that will bring fulfillment in life. Jesus was offered everything by the devil and He rejected it. There are only two things He said that will bring you fulfillment in life. It is worship of God and service to Him. When you worship and when you serve, you will be fulfilled. If you don't serve others, you will never be fulfilled. Let me tell you what your life will be like when you don't serve. You will always be like, just every, nothing is ever going right for me. Nothing is ever going, hell, oh, this person's always jipping me, always ripping me off. And, it, and, and you look at your life and you'll always be acquiring for yourself and you'll never be satisfied. When you learn to give what you have for others and to serve others, you can look at these people, they're like, wow, how are you doing? Great, I am great. I mean... It's a totally different view. When you give of yourself, you are blessed. When you serve others, you are blessed. When you give money to help others, you are blessed. If you keep everything for yourself because you're just kind of poor now and you'll give when you're really rich, that's a lie. You won't give when you're rich. You give now. You take a portion of what you have and you give. And you share. And this is what brings fulfillment in life. What brought Joshua up? What gave him? He, he, had, he was discipled by Moses. He had a life of prayer. He didn't even want to leave the tent of meeting. Can you imagine a guy who can out pray Moses? I mean, Moses finally said, Enough! Got to get back to work. And, and, uh, and, and Joshua's like, I'll, I'll catch up. I mean, this is just too good. I can't leave this tent of meeting. This, is, this guy was a, guy, a, a man of prayer. He cared for the ministry. He said, Moses, I mean, something's going on. Moses said, just chill. It's okay. But he cared about the ministry. He had a teachable spirit. The man could be taught. He was able to be taught by Moses and he received it. He was faithful in service. He said, you go into the land, spy it out. He said, you go and you, you're going to fight this battle against Amalek. He says, fine. You put me in charge, I'll go fight him. He was faithful in service. And he walked, uh, he walked in faith. He went into the promised land. And he says, yeah, the guys there are huge. We're like grasshoppers in our own sight when we look at them. These guys are huge. Remember the Nephilim were there? These, were, these guys were giants. You have Jewish people are little people. Little DNA. I mean He's got big brains, but they, 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 they're little people. I mean, and, and he, 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 but he walked in faith. He says, we can take them. We can take them. That's what he said. And he fought. He was willing to do what was needed to be done. These are the treasures of why God said, this day I will exalt you. And he exalted Joshua that day. It wasn't that he magically picked him up that day. It was this whole life lived by Joshua, a fulfilling task upon task upon task that had been given to him. And this is why he was exalted in the sight of all the people. You want to be brought up? You fulfill the steps that God has for you. Let's pray. Abba, Father, thank you so much for your word. The truth of your word. It is so good. Lord, we praise Your name. And I pray, Lord, for these young people that You so work in their lives to draw them close, that they would walk in the pattern that Joshua walked. They would learn to have these attitudes of of prayer, of service, of discipleship, that they would want to be discipled, that they would want to grow, that they would want to learn. Father, I pray that You bring them up in this way. Lord, I pray that they would take hold of Your Word, to walk in worship and in service, that they would learn to serve and to love Your Word and to spend time with You in that tent of meeting so that they would be brought up. Lord, I pray that even at work or in the labs in which they work, in their environments, Father, that they would go the extra mile to do things that other people don't do, to clean things up, to fix things, that they would care about their work and they would also care about the ministry care about the ministry on campus, praying for the students, Lord, I pray that You would bring them up in that way, that they would see this treasure before them and they would go for their treasure in service to You. Father, draw them close. And Lord, those here that don't know You, Lord, I pray for Your grace, that they would come to see the goodness of the Lord and that it is the goodness of the Lord who draws them to repentance. Father, Your grace and Your mercies on these young people, I pray. For the glory of Jesus. Amen.